0: One quick note before we get started, this podcast was recorded with a couple of days remaining on the preseason schedule. In this edition of Hoopsology, we welcome Sportsnet Lakers silent reporter Mike Trudell onto the show to discuss his impressions of the Lakers heading into NBA's opening night. He addresses what improvement LA needs to make in order to make a championship run, and he also gives his predictions as to how Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Davis will gel on and off the floor. Now enjoy this episode with Mike Trudell. He is the sideline reporter for the Los Angeles Lakers for Spectrum Sportsnet. We welcome Mike Trudell onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Mike? Doing
1: great. Uh, Justin, what's going on, man? How are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty well, and thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk about probably the most high-profile team, not only in the NBA, but in sports, the Lakers. And um, as the recording of this podcast, the... Los Angeles Lakers have had some preseason games just to see, you know, what the team looks like. What are your impressions of just this new roster so far? Positive, negative? What are you feeling right now with this team?
1: Yeah, so Justin, I you can look at it a couple of different ways. I think the tricky part uh, for the Lakers and from the Lakers' perspective is they've had so little time of actually having the rotation that they're going to be planning on using. And in fact, I would say zero time, right? Because yeah. we in the fifth preseason game, LeBron AD and Russell Westbrook finally played, but they didn't have any of their bench uh, available, right? So no Wayne Ellington uh, due to a, a hamstring uh, injury, no ma- no Malik Monk, no Kendrick Nunn, uh, no THT, no Trevor Ariza. And these are all guys that were going to be counted upon in different ways to help solidify the rest of the rotation around those three. So with that said, I think the main issue on this team is more about a philosophical uh, type of element and and sort of how they're building around LeBron and AD. Because, Justin, we saw it worked less, or actually now, a full calendar year and two days ago, right? October 11th was when they won the title in the bubble. And the formula was simple. It was LeBron and AD, two elite, top five, two-way players with all role players around them. Uh, guys that shot threes and played D. Um, guys that protected the rim and on one end and rolled to the, to the rim on the other. That formula works. That formula works well. Last year, they got hit with the bubble tax, which is a term I like to use for basically having two seasons in one and just physically it wasn't going to hold up. Uh, we saw the same thing happen to Miami. We saw the same thing happen eventually to Denver, uh, to Boston, all four teams that went further in the bubble. So I think that is a, is a decent explainer in the injuries, of course, to AD. And as I as I ramble on here, Justin, uh, to get to my, my actual point, now you have uh, Russell Westbrook come into this equation and – there may be more upside for for what he can eventually do and how he can figure out how to play next to LeBron and AD. But in the meantime, it might be tricky, and you might see some of the growing pains you even saw in the preseason game against the Warriors because Russ is not a role player. right? He's just out there spacing on one side and then defending on the other. Like right? He's got his own um, elite skills and gifts, and those take some getting used to. So it's just a different makeup of the team, and it's one that that is going to take some time, as the guys keep saying to get to the question is how many games can they win in the meantime uh well with you know with LeBron essentially leading the way and then and then AD right next to him that that's the early season question
0: how is Westbrook acclimating to this team i know it's kind of the honeymoon period i mean we, we barely got in any preseason games so far as recording out this podcast but is his vibe positive in terms of how he's acclimating to his teammates? I know um, I believe himself, um, LeBron, um, and Anthony Davis dubbed themselves 360, so a little bit of a camaraderie thing there. Uh, how has he been adjusting to L.A. so far? Well,
1: I think you have to separate the off-court and the on-court here because off the court, Westbrook has actually, to me, um, always gotten along great with teammates. Like He's he's always been a guy that's super well-liked within the room and that's within the locker room, within the film room. He's just a, you You get this kind of intense Russell Westbrook that we sometimes see um, on the outside, but he's he's not a guy that comes in and demands that things need to be a certain way and isn't vibing with teammates. Like that's not Russ. That's not the Russ that I've seen and the one that's been described to me by some other people. So yeah. off the court, all that stuff has been good. Like they, they all seem to really be on the same page. They really want to try and maximize what they're going to do. On the court, I think, is where it's going to take some more time because, you know, Russ is, like many players at this stage of their careers, a creature of habit to some extent, and he's used to playing a certain way. He's used to his teams, Justin, needing him to do a ton on the offensive side of the court especially. And so I think that's that's left him with either less focus or injury or whatever you want to put it on the defensive side of the court or when he doesn't have the ball and that's, that's just natural, I think. That's how a lot of these things work in a league. You could say the same thing about a player like a Damian Lillard who has okay. to shoulder such a big load on offense, right, that is he giving you that same amount um, on the defensive end? You know, maybe not. And so that's that's the thing that has to evolve, I think, in, how, in what he is pledging to figure out. But it helps that you've got a guy that is that wants to do that, right, that it's just that it's going to take some time.
0: So – As we get further into the season and uh, I'm asking you kind of use your crystal ball here, Mike, Um, if in fact Westbrook is committing those turnovers um, and just trying to kind of work you know his game into the existing um, kind of situation that LeBron and Anthony Davis has. Is the team going to be patient? Is do you get the feeling that LeBron's going to have just the latitude to let Westbrook just make those mistakes, have those games where he has those multiple turnovers? So like during playoff time, hey, you know LeBron was very forgiving. You know during the regular season when Westbrook has those frustrating games, so when it comes to playoff time, you know then. You know, they can kind of kick it in high gear and get their chemistry right. What do you think in terms of like LeBron's patience when, you know, Westbrook is going to have those games where it's just he's going to have multiple turnovers?
1: No, I think, I think LeBron is very invested in this. I think he was clearly involved in the whole process of of the acquisition of Westbrook, of the trade, uh, or at least in the theory of it, right? you like, I think it's, it, Rob Palenka has been pretty clear that LeBron and he and Anthony Davis have an open dialogue about stuff. So, because it's not something that just got put upon LeBron. Hey, sure. you know, LeBron, here's Russell Westbrook, figure it out, right? I think this is something that, that he's been invested in figuring out himself. And that, to me, will, will, will go a long ways towards him doing it on the actual court. And to me, LeBron is just the extreme best example of a guy who's going to figure out what it takes to win because he can do everything does he need to pass a little bit more? Does he need to be a little bit more aggressive? Does he need to space out a little more? Where does he need to help on the defensive side of the court? Like he's got answers, Justin, to all the questions. And every time the Lakers play practice, uh, he'll, he'll stop the, he'll stop the play if he needs to, and just talk about it. Preseason game, regular season game. That's where the film room comes in. So they'll watch after, but it's not just LeBron there. It's Rajon Rondo, right? Who's great at watching film and bringing this stuff out. And Frank Vogel is the guy that came from the film room. So, I have, I have confidence in basically am just buying into that LeBron will figure it out, and that's, that's, I think, a better place to be than what a lot of NBA rosters you know, have uh, in terms of questions. Like, yes, it's not necessarily the, the easiest and most natural fit like LeBron and Anthony Davis were, but LeBron's the guy that's going to be able to have some of the answers.
0: I wanted to talk to you about another addition to this team, and that's Carmelo Anthony. And we kind of saw a resurgence in his game in Portland. How has he been acclimating to L.A.? I know it's kind of like a dream scenario with LeBron and Carmelo being such good friends. What is that dynamic like, and how do you think that will materialize on the floor this year as well?
1: Yeah, the Carmelo question is a really interesting one to me because there are a couple things that happen later in a star's career. And at this point, we know that Melo is in the same draft class, of course, as LeBron. So we're going back to 2003 and getting up there in terms of age. The resurgence that you mentioned in Portland, I think, was a little bit different than, say, the type of resurgence of a Dwight Howard or a Blake Griffin, where Blake last year seemed to just embrace role player. Like, I'm going to go to this Brooklyn Nets team and do all the little things and take charges and defend Giannis and shoot threes. Like, not playing like he used to play when he was the feature guy for the Clippers and then for the Pistons in his one all star season there. Dwight Howard played a certain way for almost his entire career. And at a certain point, that wasn't working as well. So Dwight came to the Lakers and said, You know what? I'm playing defense. I'm rebounding. I'm hitting guys on screens. And I, I'm just doing work. I'm doing dirty work. I don't need post up touches. You know, I'm just here to, to fill in all the blanks. And he did that in an excellent way, and he helped the Lakers win the title. Carmelo Anthony, to me, went to Portland and basically played like he's always played. He just came off the bench and carried some scoring load that way as opposed to the starting role. And I think there were parts where that worked because, you know, the, the inferior opponents that you're going to see off the bench, A, and B, um, he still is, of course, a high-level shooter. Uh, he shot 42% from three. But he also was inefficient overall where he shot 42% from the field. And that's what I think they have to figure out. He's not he's not a defensive plus at this point of his career. Um defense has never been right the, the biggest part of his game. But can he find a way to just take the shots that are that are best for what the Lakers want in that setting off the bench and not necessarily go into the dribble back down, you know, turnaround two game that uh, that was more effective for him earlier in his career and and we don't know that yet that's the other kind of thing that takes time where he's figuring out okay well do i need to play the same way i played in portland or is there a whole new way that i have to play here so that to me justin is more of an open question that uh, that we're gonna have to take some time to
0: see mike um you mentioned just the the bubble tax i want to ask you about this the last two years for this Los Angeles Lakers team in terms of the athletes that, that make up the Lakers and this also the fan base, what is kind of the vibe heading into this year? Because the Lakers, you know, coming out of the bubble, worthy defending world champs. And then all of a sudden the, another season starts immediately, you know, and then, you know, what happens in the playoff happens to them, um, them losing, you know, to the Suns. just what is kind of the expectations for this team in terms of, you know, now this is like a you know, a normal season in terms of having the majority of fans back. Um, there's not any of the, you know, the possibility, at least that we can foresee of like another bubble or anything. It's just like kind of a regular kind of NBA season, kind of business as usual in terms of kind of how the schedule works. What is kind of the vibe of the players and then the vibe with the fans as well, if expectations of this season compared to previous seasons?
1: Well, I would say it's definitely title or bust. I don't think this group of players is going to be happy with something outside of that. Uh, even if it's it's a, you know, it's it's not looked upon as being easy by any means. And they I don't even know if if they are the favorite. I think in their own minds, they feel like if they you know, look, this is still LeBron, it's still Anthony Davis, it's still a bunch of proud veterans. They feel like they have enough talent to win. They'd also know that it's never guaranteed. A lot of it depends on health later in the season. But from the fan base perspective. I just think it was such a bummer that for Laker fans to have that magical run in the bubble, but only be able to watch it on TV, not be able to share those moments at Staples Center, um, not be able. Because that's, Justin, that's part of what the beauty of for all of us that work in sports. It's that collective feeling, that collective experience. And it's just a little different when you got to do it on FaceTime, right, with your grandpa um, across the country or what what have you. And that you can't take your kids to a Laker playoff game. so And it, you don't get to get the parade. So as much as it was amazing that they won the title, and and of course they wouldn't trade that for anything, it's just also, I think I think it leaves a certain amount of hunger, right, still, that, all right, and Rondo has said this, Dwight Howard has said this, LeBron has said this, they're really motivated to try and get this a title that they can share, right, a title that they can celebrate with the fan base, because they know that 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 left a lot to be wanting, um, as proud as they were to raise banner number 17.
0: So, Mike, who do you think provides the biggest roadblock in the West? Um, you know, with Golden State, Clay Thompson, his um, return is pretty imminent within the next couple of months, and then you have like you know different teams, you know, jockeying for positions. So, who do you think is going to provide kind of the biggest kind of roadblock and cause the Lakers the most problems this year within the Western Conference?
1: Yeah, so it's it's a really it's a really interesting year for the Western Conference because you have you have some teams. That I think could have been elite, you know, right there with the Lakers and with the Suns, like the Clippers. But of course, Kawhi Leonard goes down, and nobody knows if he's even going to be be able to come back at all for this season. Then you have Denver, who has Jamal Murray. He tears his ACL in April. He's not going to be back till later in the season. And you think that that just those alone, right? One injury to a star in the NBA, it just makes a huge deal. It just does. So, with that said, I mean, I I give Phoenix probably the most respect out of the teams that that are among those contenders. And I think they earned it with a caveat. Now, now they don't want to hear this, right? But, of course, Anthony Davis stays healthy. I think the Lakers beat them. They were up 2-1. to They had no answer for AD. He had 34 points in Games 2 and Games 3. He was getting to the free throw line um, whenever he wanted. And this was with a LeBron James who wasn't 100% healthy. And I understand that Chris Paul wasn't 100% healthy either. But, ultimately, if AD stays healthy, Phoenix is out in the first round. But – they still played really well. They went on and they handled business in the rest of the conference. Um, I think they're better than Utah, clearly. Utah is a really good regular season team to me, uh, Justin, but we just know that the ceiling is a little bit lower based on the way teams play against them in the postseason. Yeah. And so I I think you you got to give Dallas – got to pay attention to Dallas because of how great Luka is and just catching him in a playoff series. We'll see if Chris Stapps can take a step uh, this year, be healthier, et cetera. We'll see if somebody else – can emerge alongside Luka, but in terms of just complete teams, yeah, I I, I think the Lakers are at a massive disadvantage from a continuity standpoint, but they have the talent, and by the time the playoff comes and they're in a series, it's are you going to pick somebody to, to beat LeBron and Anthony Davis um, plus Russell Westbrook in the degree that he's integrated by then to beat them four times? I just, I can't pick that. You know, you could see it happening in certain circumstances, but that's the long answer. The short one is I would put Phoenix um, high on that list and then sort of a we'll see about Jamal Murray and Denver once he gets back. And, and by the way, Golden State has to be mentioned too, right? Like Golden State, yeah. they just, their question mark is clay. And how sure. how much of clay is clay? And how much can Jordan Poole approximate that? So I've got, I I, I don't want to dismiss uh, Golden State though. I, I got to put them in that, in that group for sure.
0: Well, I think it makes it very exciting because there's a lot of what-if scenarios. So even though I do think the Lakers probably have the most talent. I mean, it's still a question mark in terms of how all those pieces will fit together. But yet at the same time, other teams that are you know, deemed at the top of the West, they have question marks too. So it's just kind of interesting to see how that will play out. Um, I want to ask you about LeBron specifically. How do you think that the fans have responded to LeBron since his tenure in L.A.? Have they kind of adopted him as kind of you know, seeing him as part of the Laker family yet? Or... Kind of does he need to win another title? What's his vibe? What's his vibe with this team overall? Because it has a lot of just players from other teams, you know, doesn't have those like homegrown kind of Laker talent, but I guess that's kind of the Laker MO in, in their history. But what's kind of the vibe with LeBron specifically in regards to the fan base of Los Angeles? Have they adopted LeBron as like the, not only the leader of this team, but also just In the aftermath, whenever LeBron retires, you think he'll he'll kind of have that all warm welcome whenever he does come back to Staples Center after his playing days are over. Oh, yeah. No, Justin, for me, once you win the title, you're right. You know,
1: that that I like, of course, would another title be great? Sure, but the whole point, the whole existence of the Lakers is based upon winning championships. Like that's what they're there for. That's what the precedent has been throughout history. And every star that's ever played for the Lakers has a chance. Like that's, that's just what it's been. And that's not something that you can say um, in almost any other franchise. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Boston. Right. And, and so like to get to that point where in, in doing it in such a difficult season and kind of emotionally helping, <clears throat> helping to carry the team after Kobe's death, you know, stepping up in that moment, I, I for sure think that, that, uh, that adopted LeBron uh, to the Lakers in that circumstance. So I'm, We'll see where things go from here, but once you get that championship and you're the best player on the team to do so, you're in. You're in the club.
0: Gotcha. I guess I I probably just asked that just because of just the the circumstances, like you said, that dynamic of not actually winning the title in front of fans, just, you know, like you're saying, it being more like, Remote and distant. I'm just wondering, like, how was the the vibe there? But like you said, it's he won won the title. Enemies necessary doesn't matter. He got the chip. Um, what do you rank his MVP chances this year? Um, do you think he'll be like in that top five discussion in the hunt, or do you think his priority is going to be kind of resting his body towards the playoffs and kind of giving that load AD and rests um, in terms of the regular season?
1: So I think he'll be in the mix. He still is LeBron James, and if he's on the court. I don't care if he's having Russ do a little bit more, or if he's having AD do a little more. He's still LeBron. Like, and we saw him physically looking just as good as he looked last year. Right? Yeah. There is no drop off to me. He looks just as explosive. He's jumping just as high. Uh, the release looks just as good. So, I I do think that he might get penalized some. You don't often see an MVP on a team with three stars that we as we just saw in Golden State, for example, with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, kind of canceling things out a little bit. Or, you know, even in Brooklyn this year, it'll be a little bit curious to see what the difference is between Durant and Harden and who knows what Kyrie's involvement is going to be there. But it is typically hard for a guy to win an MVP based on the way that voters have voted, where you have somebody like Luka who has to do everything and is going to have the numbers to back it up or somebody like Jokic last year, right? Same thing. So that's, or or even Giannis, where he's got Middleton and Holiday, but Giannis is the clear alpha and those guys are, are more supporting what he does. So I I think though the way that he could get in really stay in the conversation is if the Lakers as a team play really well, they figure it out earlier than even they expect and they're the number 1 seed, right? And then it's like, well, who's the who's the best player on the best team? LeBron, okay. And are his numbers close enough to those of the guys that have to carry more of a burden and he could absolutely be in the discussion uh, Justin if that's the case. It's just I think it's got to come first from that team success this year.
0: Mike, I want to get your opinion on just the 75th anniversary of the league. And where do you think, I think, the game of basketball has evolved um, since, you know, when they first did the um, 50 greatest players in the 90s compared to now? Like, what's your opinion of the game? Do you think it has evolved and progressed in a positive manner? Or do you wish there are things that, you know, we fans' experience within the '90s that you know players could more adopt now. What is kind of your your vibe in terms of how um, the league has evolved from this presentation standpoint, players, and just the overall this collective of how the NBA you know has arrived to the 75th anniversary this year?
1: Hey man, I love the NBA. Okay, mm-hmm. I always have. I was hooked on Jordan when I was a kid. You too. I I think it's better than ever in terms of talent. I think Agreed. that. I think there are, even the teams that aren't going to be good this year have a real good excuse to watch them, uh, whether it's young talent, right? Like Detroit, you got Cade Cunningham, like what's he going to do there, right? The number one overall pick, Uh, you got, you got a team like Charlotte, who's definitely not bad, has a chance to be in the playoff mix, but has all these young guys, you know, that are, that are certainly interesting to check it out. So I'm, I'm very high in where the league is at. I do think that they're the main evolution, right. And the main difference is of course the analytics and the threes that come with that. And, and sort of the changing from some of the contested difficult shots uh, in the mid range to more threes. And, but I, I think that gets overstated, Justin. And I think that if we remember how did the Lakers win the title, how did the bucks win the title? These are not, these are not teams that are just run and gun. Let's get up a million threes, you know, no mid range shots. These are teams that still got to the rim. Like that put, beat you down with power with athleticism with force that hasn't gone anywhere and then those teams also stopped you. so <clears throat> the legs start to go away a little bit in playoff series and also you're not getting open shots you're just you're not getting the open threes that you're getting in the regular season so you have to have some guys that can make the contested shot um, in the middle of the court and like same thing with Phoenix right Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Where did yes. they score from in the postseason last year? So it's like the game has changed some, I think, in the regular season. But when it comes down to it and you've got to beat a team four times, you better have those horses. You better have those guys that can defend you and they can go get to the rim. And it's why it's so hard for me to come off of you know, LeBron and AD in this context, even thinking about a potential matchup with Brooklyn, who's got that perimeter game clearly down. And they, they kind of can do it both ways, right, because they can score in the mid-range too. But, but can they protect the rim and can they keep you away from the rim? I, I just I, I always feel like we underestimate the importance of the rim, and I do think that's one thing that Frank Vogel and the Lakers have had the pulse of. And I'm super curious to see um, how Westbrook's addition plays that out, and and how that theory plays out as the, the course of the season goes on. Man, so long-winded answer, but I'm I'm excited about the way the league, is, the where the league is today, <clears throat> and how it's being played, and and have I, I don't really have many complaints, honestly, other than too much video replay.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, I think there's tons of depth, tons of talent. and I'm I'm optimistic. I know I've I've heard some fans just be kind of negative in terms of just, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that the Nets and Lakers are going to be in in the finals. And I think there's so much stuff in the league. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 yeah, it's just, it's stacked. And it just like, it just boggles my mind because even, you know, a team that might look mediocre has really compelling stories and could make, could make a run. Um, so it, I think it's going to be really exciting um, before I let you go, Mike, I want to ask you um, just about the Clippers getting their own arena. You know, I live, um, you know, in the Southwest along with my um, co-host, Matt, and you know, we don't have really a vibe of like the, the Lakers and um, the Clippers sharing their own arena. So with the Clippers getting their own facility, what is that dynamic going to be like? This may be just this is a foolish question, but does, does that have any ramifications with the Lakers? Do you say, are they happy that the Clippers are going to get their own arena? Um, um, what was that announcement like in terms of kind of the Laker ramifications of that?
1: So, uh, Justin, I'm totally honest with you. I have no idea. I, I, it is not something that's come up uh, to me that I've heard in Laker circles. Like it's, it's just. Uh, I, I think that when I moved to Los Angeles in 2008, what was, and granted, part of this is expected because I actually worked for the team. But this is a Laker town. You know, I just, yeah. I've, I've seen. I, that's what I've seen. Um, in my time here, and that's, I think, the way that the Lakers view it. So oh, whatever, I, I think, for the Clippers, separating, however that impacts the Lakers, like, I, I'm sure that they're quite happy to have their own building, right? That, that's got to be exciting for them, for sure. But I don't see that really impacting the Lakers necessarily, and, and I don't see that impacting uh, Laker fans, who, who I think are, are always going to be about the purple and gold, right, uh, regardless yeah. of what the circumstances
0: are. Well, Mike, I really appreciate the chat. Thank you very much for this uh, chopping it up with us about the the Lakers. Can you let our viewers and listeners know where they can find you on social media, um, where they can catch you just doing the sideline reports, and then anything else you want our um, audience to know about? Hey,
1: uh, no, you know, no, no plugs necessary. Uh, y- you can find me on Twitter. Uh, just Google it, whatever. Um, watch the Laker games; you'll see me. Um, it's all good. It's been my pleasure to join you, man. Good chopping it up on hoops with you, and, and uh, best of luck with everything in the future.
0: Awesome, Mike. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Ben.